Good evening and welcome along to another live episode of the Red Tinted Glasses. It is the Lo-Fi Aberdeen podcast, but not long-winded, although it might be tonight because there is lots to jam in on the show tonight. You'll notice there's a bit of a change in the studio tonight. Callum is absent, but I'm delighted to be joined by regular stand-in co-hosts, Johnny Main and Phil Mayer. Johnny, how's it going? Pretty good, Glenn. Pretty good. I'm a wee bit um, fatigued after last night. Um, may have had a wee couple of drams after the game, but uh, yeah, late night and uh, full day of work today, but uh, still in a bit of a high after that. Yeah, I think uh, it was better than when we were, we were all speaking last night. I think it was better than what we thought this podcast could be uh, about 70 minutes into the game, but Phil, it was an eventful night last night on the pitch for Aberdeen. It's been a fair eventful day for you as well. So uh, hopefully you can uh, forget about what's been a crazy day for you uh, over the next hour or so on this podcast. Yeah, coming out of a 4pm meeting to a leak in washing machines, never, never fun on a Friday, ever. No, but what is fun is a Friday night speaking about Aberdeen. Um, and for those of you that are tuning in live on the show tonight, we'll have seen in the description um, the podcast awards are out, so I've put a couple of links um, in the description um, for the podcast awards, and they will be for those catching up on this episode on audio as well. The The links are there and the instructions on what to do are there, so if anyone does enjoy the content we put out on this show, feel free to um, give us a vote and we'll see what comes from that. The um, podcast awards genuinely tend to be around English football, so it would be great if we could see some Scottish football um, podcast represented on, on those stages. But what we're going to be speaking about is Scottish teams in Europe, primarily Aberdeen, because of course we got our playoff campaign underway last night back in Gothenburg. And it was pretty eventful, Johnny, but we'll start with the team news. And it was an unchanged side from the team that started against Sterling Albion in the cup and maybe raised a few eyebrows given we saw a couple of signings in the week. And of course, we'll kind of come on to those signings a little bit later on in the episode. Yeah, I thought, <clears throat> to be honest, I thought it was predictable that he went with the same team, given that I think McGrath, McGrath signed on Tuesday and Jensen the day before, you know, the game. So mm. I kind of thought McGrath might have had a chance of, of starting if, if he felt he could pitch him straight in. But I wasn't surprised with the, the lineup. Maybe a little bit disappointed when I saw the defence uh, and the wing backs again. But we'll come on to that. But yeah, I wasn't too surprised by his choice of uh, his choice of starting lineup. But I thought the bench looks strong. You know, if we have to change it. Yeah, I think for for once, probably I felt we had a bench that we could utilise. Um, that that signing of Jamie McGrath probably leaked more than your washing machine, um, Phil, um, with those photos that were were on Twitter through the week. But the game started in probably that that typical fashion you'd expect these kind of high-pressure games to, to start quite a cagey affair, both sides trying to, to feel each other out. What, what did you make of the start that we made, Phil? I mean, all in all, I think Hakim were maybe the better team, sort of, especially in the first half, obviously, with the goal. But um, I think it was two teams that, that liked Thai, liked Brian from that. So they're a bit of stalemate for a while, but I mean, there was chances getting created. Disappeared there for a minute. Um, chances sort of getting created from both sides. Um, so, I mean, sort, sort of like Johnny was saying, I was unsurprised the side was unchanged. Um, and I think like everyone, the, the sort of defensive sort of 
system we had in place was maybe a bit questionable, a lot of pace going forward. Yeah, and I guess, Johnny, that was the thing. It was kind of both sides feeling each other out. And, you know, probably Hacken did have some of the, the early chances. And I, I really felt without testing Kelleros in the opening stages, it was probably utilising that front three that we spoke about on the, the last episode with Sadiq and Ayumi both trying to, to test out Ryan Duncan and, and Nick, uh, sorry, Shaden Morris at the time um, in backs with with some limited success but without really troubling that back line but when we got the ball and kind of moved the ball forward at, at pace you could see that we were just as equally capable of causing causing them problems yeah i thought we were we were really dangerous but i thought we were also dangerous without the ball as well because they were intent on passing out of from the back and we pressed them and caused them to give the ball away loads of times and i thought we're definitely going to score um, well, I thought that in the first 15-20 minutes, I thought we're definitely going to score. And, uh, you know, if we keep the head here, we, we could get away with a win, you know. I think beforehand I would have probably taken a draw as a really good mm. result. As it happens, it was a draw. But, uh, you know, before the game, without really knowing much about this iteration of Hecken, I would have probably said a draw would be a good result to take back to Todd and we'll beat them at home. But I thought, God, we, we could really... We should really be beating this team, you know. After the first fifteen minutes, I thought we've got, I think, really good players individually, probably a bit better than theirs. But their front three, like you say, were dangerous. Sadiq was was dangerous, and he did give me a bit of a fear occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I didn't see anything, you know, in the first half, the first half hour or whatever, to really scare me. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's you know a, a fair point, and um, kind of the. The work we were doing off the ball and again that's kind of what Barry Robson alludes to in terms of pressing teams high up the pitch and yeah despite our attempts at doing that they still persisted on their playing out from the back and we did force them into a couple of mistakes and there's a comment from Adam G um, saying that um, he felt that they looked a bit fitter but the ref ruined the game early on with the yellow cards. Phil thoughts on that that early yellow card for um, Rubicic specifically but obviously Dante Bolvara picked one up as well uh, I think we can all agree that was probably a booking just glad that with some of the shambles that VH last night it wasn't upgraded to um, anything more severe but 17 minutes in and your centre back gets booked um, any nerves around that Phil? I mean slightly I think we've all kind of had the same concerns about Ruby since he came in he's aggressive he likes to go for the ball which I love, but I think it's a bit of an experience of doing it too often. You know, it's he, he kind of he gives the referees decisions to make when he goes in like that. Um, and I mean, it's the same with Pavara. I think it just comes down to an experience when you're you're flying in like that early doors, you're giving them a decision to make. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought Ruby had a pretty solid game. To be fair, um, he seemed a lot better on the ball compared to the likes of the Livingston game. You know, he was mm-hmm. a lot sort of accurate what more accurate with his passes um and his decision making but um but yeah i think he can sometimes be a bit rash especially against players like sadiq who are just absolute pocket rockets you know and he's not exactly the quickest guy and um, so he does run the risk a little bit yeah i thought that, that, that's a good point you know i was quite critical of him uh, especially after the sterling game but you're you're right much improved performance and 
I think that that point there about you know kind of players diving in, I felt sometimes Ryan Duncan was a bit susceptible, kind of just being a bit too eager against Sadiq, and he he was having that field day get getting past, and we were kind of being caught out. It, Johnny mentioned about how good we were off the ball in terms of pressing, and I just know that was leading to us creating chances, but maybe kind of story of some of the early parts of our season play in the fact that we've not really been 100% clinical when those chances have come. It's either been that final ball, that final pass, or a little bit of indecision. We'd rather play a pass than just take that pop shot on. Yeah, or or shots that we do get off are getting blocked too often mm. or they're not getting them past the first defender. Um, it really was a case of that in the first half. Um, despite all the good playing, despite all the positivity, it was really frustrating to watch. It was a good game to watch. I mean, I texted my, my pal's group and said, if I wasn't uh, if I wasn't an Aberdeen fan or a Hecken fan, you'd be you'd enjoy the game, you know, because yeah. it was it was end-to-end stuff and it was really enjoyable and fast. And there's a, a decent bit of skill in, on show as well. Um, but yeah, it was frustrating to watch um, up until they got the goal and then it became really annoying. Um, uh, yeah, so we were, I think the goal came from our pressing, didn't it? So mm-hmm. I think we just got a away from it. We were doing it really well, but that's the risk you run when you're, uh, when you, when the press doesn't work and we had too many men committed upfield, it was, it was weird. It, I just thought that can't be right. There's two defenders and four attackers. <laughs> I, I just didn't get it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think on the goal itself, I think you have to watch the replay to fully understand how bad it is from an Aberdeen point of view in the sense that we were holding our own in the game. You know, as you said, Johnny, it was it was an enjoyable game up until we went 1-0 down and then it became hugely frustrating. You're, you're right. And Phil, when you're watching the game and, and Rob McLean says, you know, this team looks defensively vulnerable and they're there to be got at, he wasn't speaking about us, but up pops good old Aberdeen to shoot themselves in the foot. And on the big stage, we, we've spoken about before, me and Callum, that against you know the better teams in the league, you can't be that defensively poor. But on the European stage, you also can't be that defensively poor. Uh, and Haken exploited that perfectly. But from an Aberdeen point of view, a hugely frustrating goal to concede. Yeah, I mean, it was really just a calamity of errors. It just all happened at once, really. I mean, mm. like I say, Mackenzie goes charging up the pitch. For what reason? I'm not quite sure. Um, I don't know if it was a left back in and it just sort of thought, oh, I'm up here. Um, he gets totally done. Duncan's already tried to make the overlap and never got himself back into a good enough position to cover. And then Clarkson's just completely lost Sadiq on the overlap on his right shoulder, which means that then Ruby's got to sort of pull out wide, which he probably doesn't want to do because, again, he's not, not quick enough to sort of play that cover. Um, and it was just unfortunate it all happened at once. I think, you know, with maybe a four at the back with sort of players in their correct positions and, you know, out and out centre half playing and out and out full backs, it might have been different. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine how annoyed Barry would have been about that. I mean, um, that was one of the things he was so good with last season was making sure we were regimented when we were off the ball. Um, so yeah, what was a frustrating goal to, to let in just before the half as well. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair point on in terms of how Barry will have felt because you're right, he did make us kind of hard to, to score against. But as Mark Robertson comments in, we don't know what instruction kind of Ryan Duncan and Jack McKenzie 
and I had for that that first half. So, you know, if that high intensity press was the the instruction. It kind of didn't help us when we then conceded possession. But there's that age old saying in football, Johnny, that when you score a goal, you're almost at your most vulnerable, and they were. And the ball falls to Duke free inside the the box and. Probably one player along with Boyan Miofsky, you hope the ball falls to, but probably too much time in, on his hands and maybe just sums up that kind of early season, I don't know what you want to call it, form or uncertainty yeah. that is plaguing Duke just now and uh, <laughs> the chance goes a-begging and you probably wonder at that point, is it going to be one of those nights? Absolutely, that's exactly what I thought because I think when I saw when, it, when I saw the chance on, on the telly, I was up celebrating the equaliser. Yeah, like, I just don't know how he missed it. I just he has to score that, you know, nine times out of ten. Last season he put that away. Um, I thought he was okay. I, you know, I thought he did a lot of good stuff in the, you know, in an open play. Anyway, um, he was dangerous. He was positive with the ball, powerful again, bit tricky. He did, you know, a few tricks that didn't quite come off. But I thought he was playing okay. But he has to score that as a striker, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, it's obviously the fact that he hasn't scored will rightly, um, you know, mean that some criticism comes his way. But he's probably one of those players that's desperate to, to get off the mark. But despite that, you know, he doesn't let his head drop and he still gives all for the the, the rest of the game. But I, I thought we saw signs filled during that, that first half, especially of some of the, the link up and, and partnership that, that him and Mioski have. There was the, the fancy... I think I don't can't remember if Boyan headed it across to to Duke and it was a first touch flick back into Boyan's path, but kind of Boyan and Dante don't know who's going to take the shot on and kind of Dante leaves it for for Boyan, but you know certainly the the two up top they're there on the same wavelength, but right now Boyan's on that hot streak and you know if, if the shoes on the other foot if if Boyan goes a bit cold hopefully Duke can be there to to pull his weight and. and goal so whilst maybe some people have concerns around Duke's performances at least it's not overall having a massively negative impact on the team just now No I mean he, he has looked sluggish admittedly and he's, he's looking like he's lacking a bit of that sharpness that he had last season which is understandable I mean the shift that he put in last season and you know the shift that he's still put in um, just now is, is unbelievable I mean the amount of running that he does um, I don't know how, he, how he's going to manage to play three games in a week if that's the sort of level he's going to be putting in in intensity. Um, but that was probably Miofsky's best game for us. I mean, I've, I've always been the first to be quite vocal about maybe, you know, Duke does all the legwork whilst Miofsky sort of gets the credit to scoring. And, but I think even in terms of his pressing off the ball, his link-up play, um, just in general demeanour, I thought Miofsky was brilliant um, last night. And I'm hoping... Like you say, he can carry the load a little bit till Duke's sort of back to, to how we, we know him to be, um, which I'm hoping won't take long. Um, like I say, I think having these competitive games under his belt is just going to gonna help. And if, you know, if the um, soccer as well, if he can sort of hit the ground running and maybe spur him on to hitting a run of form as well in a bit of competition, you know, it's uh, all the better for us. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. And I think that the fact that we've got that competition for, for places can only benefit us in the long run. Johnny, what was your thoughts going in um, at halftime 1-0 down? Obviously, probably frustrated, but I, I was getting a bit wound up 
in the in the first half. I thought Ryan Duncan was struggling, and it's not a criticism on Ryan himself, and uh, obviously being kind of thrown in at the the left wing back position in an unnatural position. Um, I just think you know up against Sadiq, and he was just having having a field day. So I felt a bit for him, but I thought just totally out of the game after the probably first 15 minutes um, the ball wasn't going to him, his tracking back was near on non-existent uh, kind of just didn't know what he was offering on the pitch and I, um, I certainly remember at the, the start of the second half putting out a tweet saying that you know his lack of tracking back is going to cost us a goal and I think there was one passage of play where it was coming down the right hand side and he was just jogging and I just couldn't help but feel probably one of those standing in the at Gothenburg yesterday could have put in a bit more effort than him at, at that point. But were you maybe a bit surprised to see no changes from, from Barry at halftime? Again, no. I wasn't surprised because this is kind of what he does. Um, he's pretty cautious with his subs. Um, and again, I, I was a bit frustrated, maybe, but then I, I understand this is Barry's style. So... Um, you just got to kind of trust that he knows what he's doing, as, as it turns out he probably does a lot more than I do anyway. Um, <laughs> but half time, I thought um, I was frustrated like you, but I thought I still stuck by my pre match prediction of 2 2, by the way. Um, so I thought, yeah, there's goals in this. If we can if we can keep them out, I just couldn't see us keeping them out again. I thought they'll mm -hmm. score again, but we have to we have to get the next one. Um, yeah, I, I was frustrated and I wasn't surprised he didn't sub anyone off. I did think, like you, um, Duncan, I think Povara had a pretty poor game. Um, he wasn't really involved as much as he has been, perhaps, um, in the early part of the season. And Shane Morris had a pretty anonymous game, although he, he did a few good things going forward in the first half. Um, again, the final ball just isn't there. Um, it's a major frustration with him, but uh, frustrated, but not despondent. Yeah, I think as well with Dante as well. I thought he looked good in the kind of early exchanges mm -hmm. of the game, but I just wonder how much that booking kind of affected his game. Yeah, because I've noticed kind of he's kind of been a bit of that kind of tenacious midfielder trying to like niggle the, the opposition and break up the play. And, Kind of putting him on a yellow card probably negated his want to to put in a tackle in case he he picked up a, a silly second yellow because you know i think steve tosh was saying in commentary it was kind of a challenge you would expect dante to make you know trying to win the ball back after a, a, a poor touch and unfortunately he was committed to make it and he captures the guy and it look there's there's no argument on on that one especially but phil you know we continued to start the second half in, in a positive manner creating chances and uh, me and Johnny were speaking before you joined the, the stream tonight we, we couldn't remember um, I'm pretty sure it was still at 1-0 but Boyan has the chance across the keeper he saves well to um, you know keep him out and we couldn't remember there was the, the header from Perstich if that was at 1-0 or 2-0 but you know the game was going end to end but as Johnny said you know as much as I felt that we were going to score was still concerned that the Haven could could quite easily score as well. Were you kind of of the the opinion at the start of the second half that the next goal was going to be really important in the tie? Absolutely, I think any any European tie when there's a goal in it, 
you know, whoever, whoever scores next is typically, thankfully not in our case, but, you know, typically goes on to just, you know, dominate the game. Because other team is really forced to come out a little bit. Um, and, you know, with our defence, if we were forced to come out a lot more, it would have been, could have been anything at that point, just with the pace they had going forward and the, the sort of technical players, Leuni out on the wing, I thought was was brilliant whenever he was on the ball. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess it comes back to the whole... Uh, square pegs for round circles. I think mm. just with the way our defence was set up, you've got wingers playing at wing back that want to get forward. You've got full backs playing at centre half who want to go out to the ball. It's you know, it was it was always gonna look a bit shaky. Um but like I say, I mean we were creating chances. I mean God, I mean if if we'd taken all the chances, you know, we had last night, we wouldn't even be sweating about the, the home leg, <laughs> you know? So um yeah. So yeah, but the, the the second goal was was important, but unfortunately didn't go our way. No, although I'm sure that the Haken supporters are probably thinking the exact same in terms of the chances that they created. If they'd mm-hmm. taken them, they could have probably been in a better position before um, we eventually did score. Um, but the second goal, is, as you said, Phil, didn't go our way, and I'm glad I've left this question for Johnny because, of course, I know your feelings on VAR in, in particular. Um and I don't know, the referee was one for watching last night. I don't know what kind of control he had on the game, if at all. Almost seemed that the VAR official was dictating a lot of what was going on, you know, even going back to the booking that, that Rubicic picked up. The referee didn't make that decision. I think it was the fourth official that, that ultimately gave that one. Um, I mean, VAR is supposed to be for clear and obvious errors, isn't it, Johnny? Um, was that a clear and obvious error, not awarding a penalty initially? Uh, I'm going to be a little, I'm probably going to say something you don't actually think I'll say. I think it was a penalty. I think it brushes his hand. You know, it's, it's unintentional, but his hand is up. Mm-hmm. It's away from his body. Um, yeah. I think they got it right, but it wasn't conclusive. You know what I mean? It, yeah, <laughs> it, wasn't, like, it wasn't like an obvious one. Um, like Constantine last year for St Johnston or something like that, you know, it was it was a really it was a subtle brush of the hand, but it was probably the right decision in the end. But that referee, I'll just go back, and he was one of the worst referees I've ever seen, you know. And I watch us every week. <laughs> He's the referee who had me pining for Stephen McLean after about fifteen minutes. The guy was a complete joker. I don't know where they got him. I don't know where they got him from. Um, it seems to be the case in, with these UEFA refs. A lot of the times, they're just just out of trash. Yeah, and you know, I, I actually kind of agree with you as well, Johnny. Because my first reaction to the incident was when I when I saw the the replay back was it's a penalty, and I just don't understand why Mackenzie's arm is where it's at. Because I watched the replay back, and obviously, yes, he's kind of clattered by Boyan, but his arm's up before Boyan even gets near him. So I almost yeah. felt he was like, oh, shit, the ball's away. It hit me in the face. That, that's arm exactly, up. exactly what it and was. I just don't understand why he was defending like that. He was in a funny position. Yeah, it was unfortunate, and it, it had to be Jack as well, didn't it? You know, it had yeah, to, yeah. He, was having, he was having a bit of, okay, he was not, wasn't having the worst game, but... You know, you could say he was partially at fault for their first goal and he was at fault for their second goal, you know, inadvertently. Um, 
So it, it was. A, I felt a bit sorry for him, but I just, I just have a doubt whether or not he's the answer, or he will be the answer once we have everybody fit and, and in the team. Maybe he will be on the bench again. Yeah, and and, and funny because Paul Donaldson mentions this, and, and Phil, mm. I don't know if you remember this as well, because it certainly pinged up in our group chat as well when it happened. Um, there was another one later on in the match that looked more of a penalty than the one that was given and, and Paul you're absolutely right it was Angus McDonald the ball was put into the box and it definitely hits McDonald's arm um, but, but play on when um, I don't know I think that probably Angus's arm was more, in more of a natural position it wasn't really far away from his body but Phil for, for you thought, thoughts on the penalty soft or kind of no complaints it, it, it's a bit of both. I mean, I've got to agree agree with the both of you. I mean, there's no doubt that, you know, his arm's up near his face. It's away from his body. If it was against us, we probably would have been saying that's a stonewaller. Um, <laughs> but like like you're saying, the, the angle, and the, I, I don't know if the referee got a different angle to what we were getting on the red TV coverage, but, but the angle we were getting shown, if you're not sure that's at somebody's hand, I don't know how you're concluding it from there. Because mm. you can't see any change in direction on the ball. You can't see any sort of, you know, his hand doesn't snap because the ball hits off it or anything. So yeah. how, how he's kind of came to that decision from there, I think, was the sort of classic that you see with VAR most weeks in every league is as soon as they go to the screen, you kind of yeah. just know that's it. You know, it's very, very rare. I mean, I don't know what the stat is on it and what's been sort of just held up um, by referees, but I'm assuming it's very, very low. Yeah, that's the one thing I thought as well. Um, that's a good point, Phil. The more you watch the replays that are being shown on, on Red TV, was, I was like, I wonder if the referee has the balls to just stick with his original decision. But it's as you say, it's almost like as soon as they go to that screen, they have to overturn the decision. You, you very rarely see them kind of stick with it. But Barry Robson did something very unusual um, as soon as we went 2-0 down. He made an immediate double change, um, which saw Don's debuts for Jimmy McGrath and Jimmy McGarry. Um, really good to see, Johnny, um, that that kind of immediate reaction to, to going 2-0 down and making those changes. Um, Jimmy McGrath coming on for Dante Povara and, and Jimmy McGarry for, for Ryan Duncan. Uh, at the time, probably not sure most of us sitting at home were full of what that would mean, but what an impact those two players had. And as I said, we're going to kind of come on to the signings in, more in depth after the game, but I think all three of us here can hold our hands up and probably apologise to, to Jamie McGrath because we maybe weren't overwhelmed by the signing, but boy, did he put in a good performance last night. No, not, not overwhelmed by the signing, but he looked really accomplished. He looked really calm, composed, good touches. I mean, to come on in a game like that for your debut when you're two down and to have that kind of an impact, um, I suppose shows a bit of guts and bottle as well. So mm. I suppose some things I may have not thought he had, you know, all that much <laughs> of. But um, fair play to him. He was, he was excellent. And Nagari coming on... I thought, I'll be honest, I thought Brian Duncan had started the second half all right. Um, mm. He wasn't playing too badly. Um, but McGarry, better positionally, obviously, that's his natural um, position. I think my my view probably was, if he's not match fit, let's just get him on from the start for a half or something, you know, to 
that give us that solidity from the start, and then we'll go from there. But um, yeah, those two subs came on and, and made a huge difference and um, potentially turned the tie around for us, to be honest. Yeah, and I think, Phil, Johnny's right, it potentially has turned the tie around for us. And, you know, and certainly in the case of Magari, I think, you know, Johnny makes a fair point. I don't think Ryan Duncan was having a, a poor second half. You know, as I said, I'm not singling him out in terms of the first half, given that, you know, left wing back's not his natural position. But it, him coming on gave us somebody more accustomed to that position, but he looked like a player with a lot of energy, a lot of willingness to run. Um, again, obviously, you know, Ryan Duncan probably a bit knackered at, at that point anyway, but given the way Barry Robson spoke about Jimmy McGarry pre-Sterling, I thought, you know, it might be a few weeks before we see him, and mm -hmm. I, I was impressed with what he saw, and, you know, going back to Jamie McGrath as well, obviously relegated last season with Dundee United, hope you're enjoying the championship, Jim. Um, probably Jamie McGrath got a point to prove as well, coming into Aberdeen. Yeah, no, um, you know, uh, Jimmy McGarry I thought was great when he came on, um, I think it probably helped us in the midfield a little bit as well. Obviously, McGrath being in there, but I think Shinney at times almost has to coach Duncan through the game and he gets dragged out in midfield quite a lot or Clarkson or whoever is sort of on the left at that point. Even the likes of sort of McKenzie sort of getting dragged out from centre half to sort of help cover that wing. So I think having somebody there who Shinney could kind of go, right, I'm confident enough he's defensively sound, he's positionally sound, he's going to do what he needs to do. Um, I think helped us. But what I quite liked about Megare was um, he looks like he's got some delivery on him. Because he took one of the corners uh, on the right-hand side and obviously stood over the free kick with uh, with Bojan towards the end. So he looks like somebody that's, you know, got a bit of a um, bit of a dead ball on him. So that could be pretty promising for us. And then, yeah, like you were saying with McGrath, I was one of the first ones to say it seemed like a sort of panic buy. Mm. Um, so he came in and help us control that midfield so easily I mean I, I, I would act like I'm surprised but I mean in hindsight I mean he's an Irish international that's played in you know big games for Ireland he created umpteen chances in his time with United St Mirren and Hearts and obviously got his big move down to Wigan at the time um, so I really you know it's probably naive on my point but I've just kind of looked at him and gone oh he's turned us down he's a pen merchant he's hopeless um, but no he, he did if, if we can get him in the team sort of regularly Hopefully Dante still gets a look in because I think he's been good. But um, I think having that experience in midfield um, really did help. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of agree on the point on, on Dante as well. But like, you know, you've now got a, kind of a suitable backup. You know, a lot of people in the comments might still speaking about probably the need for a Ramadani replacement. Probably agree with that because I think Jamie McGrath's probably more suited to maybe a bit more of a, a advanced role. Um, but but Jamie McGrath has a hand um, in, in a way in the in the opening goal. The from an Aberdeen point of view, Johnny uh, wins the ball back, plays it back to Leighton Clarkson. But really, all the work for that goal is is down to Boyan Miowski, as we said, unlucky earlier in the evening to have his shot uh, across the goalkeeper well saved. But the, the touch and control is simply superb, let alone the finish itself. And uh, as Phil was kind of saying earlier probably one of Boyan's best games for Aberdeen. He looked like a man possessed in that second half with a with a real point to prove. Yeah, I think um I think he was interviewed beforehand on Red TV saying, you know, European nights will be really special. And obviously he was really motivated for the game. Um 
I'm trying to think when after Phil said that about it being his best game, I'm trying to think of any better games I could think that he's had, and I can't genuinely think of mm. one. Um, but that, yeah, that first goal, um, apart from the relief, I thought the, the determination he showed, the skill he showed, the touch he showed, and the finish is just what you would expect from not expect, but it's what you want from Boyan. Um, and he, he, was, yeah. he was outstanding last night in the second half. Um, there was the VAR check, which at that point, my <laughs> someone was getting thrown at the TV fairly, fairly soon if that had been disallowed. But I thought, who knows with this this crew? You know, who knows what's going to happen here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this, we saw the we saw the first replay. I was like, because live, I thought, oh, did it touch his hand there? I thought maybe mm-hmm. it touched his hand. But then when you saw the replay. Um, and it slowed down. It's, it, it didn't. It didn't touch the hand. It was nowhere near the hand. So I was like, "Oh, thank God for that." And then they had the bar check, and I'm like, "What is going on here? Just get on with it." Yeah, I have to admit, when the a couple of hands went up from from the Haken defenders, I thought, "Oh no, That's, okay, the referee's not gave it." And I thought, "Did it? Did it not?" And as you said, it was just the way that that, that crew, <laughs> as you so eloquently put it, were dealing with officiating the game last night. I did. Especially, you know, it's worse the longer it goes on because there's always that sense of inevitability. The longer a VAR check goes on, the less likely a decision is to go in in your favour. But thankfully, um, that one did. But Phil, as you said, you know, one of his best games last night, and he's really kind of going, I would almost say, quietly about his business this season. That's three goals already, and some kind of impressive comeback after the the injury he sustained at the end of last season. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, um, you could. I think you can still notice that injury has an effect on him. You can see it when he's he's sort of going in for those 50-50 balls with defenders. You can see he's sort of pulling out them, which is fair enough. I'd be the same. But, um, but, I mean, I think he's back sooner than any of us thought as well. I mean, I don't think mm-hmm. any of us would expect him back in time for the first game of the season, let alone to be back and still as sharp, still as fit, you know, um, as, as when he left off last year. Um, so I'm hoping he can keep that up. I mean, not only for the sake of us, but I mean, for the sake of him as well. I mean, you know, Macedonia is going to have a lot of qualifiers coming up, and I think that's something you can always see in him that, that that's something he's proud and you know really looking to kind of keep driving Macedonian football forward. Um, and I mean, even then, it'll it'll learn him a big move, which again will benefit us if he can keep on playing like he's playing. I mean, he's going to be off somewhere for a big profit for us. Yeah, I just yeah, yeah. hope that uh, people aren't watching no, no, yeah. what he's doing so so far this season. <laughs> but you know, as impressive a, a first goal it was, the the second is just equally impressive from a team perspective as well. You know, getting that second so quickly after the first as well really kind of changed all momentum in the game as well because they were definitely rattled at conceding the first. But you know. For all the kind of maybe criticism that the Jack McKenzie was getting last night, and look, I'll hold my hands up, and that was definitely one of those uh, in, in terms of doing that. He wins the ball back off Sadiq really well um, to start the move, plays a good ball up to, to Boyan. You know, I think Boyan will say he meant it, but maybe gets away with a bit of lucky control that results in a back heel to, to Leighton Clarkson, um, which looks really skillful and well meant the more you watch the replay. And then the way Clarkson drives forward and passes it on to Boyan and Nicky Devlin coming up from absolutely nowhere. And as he said in his post-match interview, Johnny, 
making amends for the mistake which he holds his hand up and he knows he did against Celtic and hopefully that repays that mistake to, to the fans and I think most of us will agree it's gone a long way to, to repaying that. Oh, absolutely. It wasn't even in my head, I have to say, so fair play to him for even yeah. mentioning it. Yeah, exactly, um, same here. I, I thought I thought it was a class move. I thought it was absolutely liquid football. I'm sorry. I think definitely meant to lay it off that way. Definitely meant to, yeah. to lay it off for Clarkson. He looked back around, he took the return pass, uh, and just, you know, the, the, from I thought it was superb football. I mean, if that had been a, an EPL side, you know, you would never have heard the end of it. It would be on highlight reels all week. Uh, lovely finish for a fullback. Yeah. You know, a dink over the keeper at pace, <laughs> you know. On his weaker feet as well. Incredible, incredible for a right back. Um, he looks like a real find for us, I have to say. And moving him to his natural position, um, with the subs as well, really paid off. I think um, you can't really underestimate how how much of a difference that had in our shape and, and the and the overall the way the game went. And I have to say, after that, we were we looked fitter, hungrier, stronger. And I know a lot of people were saying they're halfway, they're more than halfway through the season or they're halfway through the season, so fitness might be an issue for us. I thought we were fitter than them last night. I thought we yeah. finished the game much stronger. I have to agree on that point, and it was quite interesting because Steve Tosh made that point on Red TV pretty much when he's, he kind of said the opposite of what a lot of people um, said in terms of the fact that Haken would be fitter than us given they're halfway through the season. <clears throat> but he said that would almost you know, potentially have a, the opposite effect, that they would likely fatigue in the last 20 minutes, whereas we're a lot fresher, so would probably not fatigue as, as quickly. And I think you're absolutely right, Johnny. That seemed to certainly show in the last 20 minutes. Obviously, probably helped by the momentum of the of the goal as well. And probably, I just wonder if Haken probably thought, right, we've conceded one, let's keep it at that. And kind of all hell broke loose for them defensively. And they kind of really lost their way as well. But Phil, you spoke about Devlin's finish, you know, taking it on his weaker foot as well. The scenes that followed, the, the shithouse dons are back. I mean, talk about winding up the home fans in spectacular fashion. <laughs> Again, the more you watch the video that the club tweet, uh, tweeted out as well, I still don't know what Graham Shirley's trying to do to noise up the fans. He, he kind of managed to quietly compose himself to, to avoid a booking, but it, it's just spectacular. Really, I think from a, an Aberdeen fan point of view, it really connects you with the team when you see those sort of scenes. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what the, the Haken fans must have been chanting or shouting whenever they were up at that side, because, I mean, even someone like Duke, who's normally pretty pretty reserved, was was giving it to them to the point he got a lighter thrown off. I'm thinking, God, it must have been someone that really pissed them off. But um, but no, I mean, it was really good to see. I mean, I think it shows a togetherness of, of all of them. It's similar to, you know, last season when we were scoring for fun and Duke would jump the boards at the Red Shed and Miofsky and Ramadan would be noising everybody up and you know it, it, it's stuff that we all love to see I mean it sort of gives us the impression that they're all they're all right right behind the sort of vision of the club you know they're really at ease and at home with everybody um, so yeah it was just great it's just great I loved it I haven't watched I haven't, I'm not going to say anything but I have watched that clip about 5,000 times today yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I even I even showed it to this. Rosie earlier, uh, much to her confusion. And she's going, "What's that? Be yeah. so good about that?" I'm like, "No, look at Shinny. Look what he's doing." She's going, "I don't yeah, get it. I played it, don't get it. I played it to the wee boy, <laughs> and I said, "I played it to him again tonight." And he said, "I've seen it already, Dad." I'm like, "Oh, okay, sorry. I'll show you it again." <laughs> yeah, 
like that video of the the killer fan celebrating the the cup win and oh yeah like every time it comes on my feed i've just got to watch it it's the same with that video on the killing of the behind the goal i've just got to watch it it's every time you see something different of a different player acting in a different way and johnny we've spoken about the good side of boyan in terms of the goals and and the finishing should we maybe speak about the clever side of boyan as well and um, threw on goal in the, in the 90th minute and <laughs> assaulted severely, um, which the home side reduced it to 10 men. And um, I, I mean, I think there's no complaints that that's the second yellow. No, no. Clever play from both. Possibly. Um, when I saw it live, I thought he's, he's just taking him around the neck. You know, he's, he's yeah. put his arm in. But when you see the replay, it's more of his chest. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's certainly taken him out though, so there's no complaints. I don't know what he was complaining about as he was going off. Yeah, no. Uh, I'm like, what is what's he on? I mean, it's obviously he's just lost the place, right? And is <laughs> a second yellow card maybe a bit clever? Um, we've seen it before with Boyan. Um, I don't mind it at all. I mean, people do it to us all the time. Yeah. Why? Why should we not do the same back? I mean, especially last night. I think they were. They were. Um, they had two players who dived in the penalty area and were not booked. Mm. Well, yeah. Sorry, it wasn't a penalty, but it wasn't a yellow card at the same time. Again, the referee completely baffling me and rewriting the rule book. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The, the first one uh, that left back. Mm. Um, I, I think baffling beyond belief how that wasn't a booking. The second one, I think the one you're referring to would have been Sadiq. When he went down under a challenge from Mackenzie, to be honest, my initial thought when that was, I thought that was a penalty. I know you're going to say, yeah. But the ball was miles away to the left, and Sadiq kind of moved in towards Jack, I felt, you know? Although yeah, I think Jack when watched go to ground, and I'm like, why did he dive in there? There's no nowhere near the ball, you know? Yeah. Um, you're just going to, you're just asking for trouble, but there was minimal contact, and he threw himself, you know? And that's so. I think the good. The probably good thing about having VR in that situation was my certainly instinct watching that live was, oh my God, that's a penalty. <laughs> but when you watch the replay, as you say, he is, Sadiq is waiting for that contact, but yeah. goes down a bit too early. So in that sense, probably VR would have hopefully saved us. Um, you're, you're never too sure with, with VAR. But Phil, it could have been an even better night. Um, Jamie McGrath putting the ball in the back of the net in stoppage time. Unfortunately, Boyan was offside in the build-up. So the game ends 2-2. Do you feel momentum is with us going into the second leg? Of course, Pataudry now officially a sellout for the, the, the return leg after some rapid ticket sales today. Um, is the momentum with us going into next week? Of course, both sides have, have games this weekend. We have travel to St Mirren. Um, and, and he can have a, a local derby but you've got to fancy us next week right now do you, don't you? Absolutely, I mean to come from two goals down is a gut punch to, to any team you're playing against um, so I mean even just that but I mean like we were saying earlier with a, was, it, was it Hammer or Hamer or whatever it is, the yeah. centre half that got sent off assuming he's their starting centre half week in week out to be, to be missing him for the leg will be you know be big, I mean Everyone knows that, that chopping and changing your defenders is not the easiest thing to do, especially in Europe against good teams. The sell it, Padre, you know, hopefully the likes of Magari maybe start in. 
um, you know, and if we can pick up a good win um, on the road to St Mirren, then you know I think it's the the wind's behind our sail a bit more. I think. Yeah, and and Johnny, I was doing uh, Clyde Super Scoreboard before this, and Hugh Keevan said that Aberdeen fans have to forget what happened two years ago when we beat Haken five one at the top, because what's in the past is in the past. Um, funny uh, Rangers fans don't remember what's in the past is in the past, but um, in terms of Aberdeen, we spoke about this again before coming live, and and Phil makes the point about them having to change the defence. Hopefully by next Thursday, our defence is even stronger as well. As Phil mentions, McGarry obviously getting minutes, Angus McDonald last night as well. Mm-hmm. Probably could even see Nicky Devlin starting that game in a more natural right wing back position. So we're not actually favourites for the game. We're nearly two to one to, to win the game in ninety minutes. Haken are down as favourites for for next Thursday, but I can't help but feel we sh- we should be in the driving seat, and that's what I said on that show tonight. We have a huge chance to make the Europa League uh, group stages. <clears throat> After, I mean, I'm a lot more confident about it now now than I was last night before the game. Didn't really know what to expect from Haken. Um, <laughs> again, didn't really know what to expect from Aberdeen either. Um, and I think, I, I don't just think this result last night, the manner of the result, it's not really the result itself, but more about the way we came back from two down. Um, as Phil was saying, it's a gut punch for them. But for us, it could be a kickstarter for the whole season because we were kind of waiting for the season to get going. Didn't really get going against Sterling Albion. Now we've got a bit of a uh, a bit of momentum, potentially, although we didn't win the game. We've drawn the game. Yeah. We're in a great position. We have to win a home game. We're pretty good at home under Barry Robson. Um, the tawdry atmosphere can't see them coping with it. I really can't. I think we are, maybe the bookies, bookies are putting them as favourites, but I definitely got us as favourites. Yeah, I would have us as favourites as well. As you said, we've got a pretty good home record. Haken's away record in Europe's pretty suspect from, from what I've seen as well. Um, you know. And I suppose it's it's similar to what they're alluding to a lot on Red TV as well. I mean, they're, they're going from playing on a plastic pitch to proper grass. I mean... That could be totally in our favour. Who knows? Yeah, no, I, I agree again with that. Can you know Steve Potter alluded to that as well? They kind of knew what to anticipate in terms of the the bounce of the ball. It was funny listening to to Barry Robson's kind of post match comments as well. It almost seems that every game this season there's going to be a comment about the pitch. But he made a point as well about Sterling Albion not having the uh, multi ball system at, at their disposal, so that the game couldn't restart in a in a quick manner from an Aberdeen point of view. So again, that's something that maybe we'll be able to utilise um, next week. But there was a point from, from Dandy Don that came in as well that, you know, commending the mental strength and fitness levels of the players, considering we were up against a team well into their season, of course, also challenging the top end of their season as well. Just a point off the league leaders uh, in, the, in the Swedish Premiership. So, yeah, we've really got to, you know, for all the criticism that, you know, the players and Robson's maybe going to get on this podcast in recent weeks, you really got to, kind of praise them where where they deserve um all to play for next week and it's great to see us out of so and um, bring that on but johnny you, you made the point about hopefully this can be the kind of springboard to kind of kick starting the league 
he's in. Um, and before we talk about the, the trip to Paisley at the weekend, of course, we'll speak about the two new new additions uh, in a bit more um, depth. So the first one being Jamie McGrath. I'll go with the one that um, we all know a, a bit about. Um, Jamie McGrath, as I said, maybe coming with a point to prove, saying, um, you know, signing a big club and he realises that the size of the club, it's only taken him three attempts to realise the size of the club. Sorry, Jamie, that had to be done. Um, you know, we spoke about this kind of, and I've seen your comments on Twitter as well. You know, a player about in terms of quality over quantity, vice versa. And, you know, a, a signing that was done, you know, we could have got him earlier given he was a free agent a, a few weeks ago. And maybe we did have to kind of bide our time a little bit for Jamie. But do kind of any of the concerns that, that fans might have had around his signing any negations last night? I may be eating those ill-chosen words um, fairly soon if he keeps on playing the way he, the way he started last night. Anyway, you know, um, I, I don't really. I'm I'm not bothered about him turning us down twice. He went to Wigan for more money. Um, I think most of us would have done that. You know, <laughs> especially if we're not emotionally tied in any way to Aberdeen. Yeah. Um, so you can't blame him for that. I think the the situation at United was a complicated one with the clubs and the loan fee or the, the wages or whatever that United were prepared to pay. So I think that was taken out of his hands as well. Um, as a player, he's, you know, I think I'm prepared to give him a good go and a good chance to just prove what he can do. He can certainly be a useful rotational player, potentially, you know, in that, mm. in that number 10 or the, you know, slightly attacking the fielder role. Um, he seemed to be well thought of by the uh, United fans last season. I think they thought he was one of their best players last season. Certainly created most of their chances, <coughs> I believe, if you look at the stats. But, um, yeah, I, I'm willing to give him a good go at Aberdeen. Um, I'm glad he's here, I have to say, but I don't think he's necessarily um, an automatic first choice every week, which I thought we were holding out for. Yeah, and I think you know there's a couple of points here that you make are kind of kind of interesting there in terms of is he going to be that that regular starter for us week in week out? You know, the, this to go back on the point that you made about the the chances that he created. I think over the course of last season, he only created one less chance than Leighton Clarkson over the course of the season. I remember seeing that stat on social media. Um, so you know, obviously a, a bit of a creative player that is. Is good to have on the team, especially if Leighton Clarkson's having a, a, an off day. But, but Phil, I wonder if you think this is kind of a bit of an astute signing. You know, he's a player that knows the league well. Um, as I said, I wonder if he's coming with a point to prove. And me and Calm spoke about it on the show before. Potentially, the other time he turned us down, he knew was who was in the dugout and maybe didn't want to work with him. Obviously, his hands were kind of tied when he turned up at Tannadice, but there was maybe, you know, a bit of alternative motive there could he be a, you know Johnny Mays says I'm not sure about a starter but that is kind of what we've been speaking about having that totally frozen for me he's frozen yeah so Phil your thoughts on yeah. Jamie McGrath <laughs> Great guy, 
Great guy. Lucky Irish. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, I assume Glenn's going to go on and speak about sort of whether he's sort of caliber a player to start in that midfield. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely got the sort of CV. Played multiple big games, qualifiers for Ireland. Um, you know, he's been around the league at various levels, challenging for sort of European spots with Hearts or basement battles with with Dundee United. So, I think it all all really depends on how he's going to get utilised. I think Clarkson's definitely probably more suited as being our um, our starting yeah. creative player. Um, whether McGrath can sort of sit deep with Shinny in that three. I'm, sure. I'm unsure whether that's his sort of mould. Like I say, I, I never watched him week in, week out, like Sintmarin fans or whatever, so I don't know what he's like in terms of his sort of defensive capabilities and his sort of physicality on the ball. So, you know, like you were saying earlier, the sort of Ramadani replacement, I don't think he is. Um, but with, with Dante still sort of getting experience in the league, I don't see why he couldn't be a sort of good sort of mentor in a way. Um and the sort of backup and or sort of um, leader to Dante for him to sort of um, play off of. Yeah. Do you start him this week, do you think? I, th- I think he might. I think whether he starts against St Mirren, I don't know. Um, against Haken, maybe, just purely because that midfield looked so much more balanced um, mm. when he came in. Um, he got his foot on the ball. And I said, uh, maybe it was just because we were trailing. It was good to have somebody there who was really positive with his play, really positive with his passing. Um, so whether that's how Barry wants to start the game and sort of almost try and kill it off early, because um, when you saw how they all reacted when they conceded um, the sort of late goals, if they, if they lose their heads conceding early, then, you know, it's, it's even better for us. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you two managed to carry the show. Professionalism, Glenn. Shut the bed and we just, just, yeah, we just sat here sitting in silence until you came back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> As Jay said, that's what I get for speaking ill of Jim Goodwin and coming back to back to haunt me and and, and, and ruin this. But um, maybe that's why um, we're referred to as five podcasts because things like that happen. But we'll carry on regardless. And I'll have um, some druids money. You can't pay the lucky meter, Glenn. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, second signing of the week came in on on Wednesday. Um, again, kind of one that was rumoured and wasn't as leaked as much as Jamie McGrath, but the Finnish Liam Scales, uh, as you called him, Johnny, or I, I saw him being referred to as the, the blonde Ash Taylor. Um, <laughs> we're not going to sit here uh, and look, hey, I rated Ash Taylor before anyone thinks I'm slagging him off. Um, look, we're not going to sit here and pretend we know the ins and outs of, of Richard Jensen, but 21 finished captain. You know, he's got nine uh, international caps, and most of those caps have come recently um as well so interesting to see if he makes the call up for the um the games coming up at the start of september well an area that we needed strengthened in at a left center back uh, and it's good to see the club have gone out and kind of probably done this business a bit quietly johnny yeah i think the yeah i think i'm not sure any many of us saw it coming um i'm glad we did we've gone out and, and got the man i think we're after he is a left centre half. He'll give us good balance. Um, he does appear to be physical 
a physically impressive specimen. He seems, uh, again, like the, the, the finish Liam Scales. I'm going to say he does look uncannily yeah, like Liam okay. Scales, I'll have to say. Um, <laughs> but we can't get Liam Scales, and I'm glad that one's parked for now. Uh, that one, we've put that to bed. We're not going to be signing Liam Scales. Um, it was a saga that I just couldn't be bothered with anymore, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we have got a left centre half. He does look like he'll come in as a starter instead of Jack McKenzie. Um, so the sooner we can get up to speed, the better. I don't think it'll be this weekend. Um, he may, he may get some time off the bench. Um, just you know, going by Barry's previous record with bleeding players in the squad. Um, but yeah, I'm quite excited to see what he can do. Yeah, and Phil, I guess that was going to be a, a question that I was going to have: was do you think we'll see him play at the weekend? You know, he's already played this season for for the club that we we signed him from, Gornik Zabre. And um, I know people were eager to see if I would do the pronunciation or That's not. Right. So played five. See if we're going to try yeah. it. <laughs> yes. Five games this season. I, I noticed Callum put kind of a, a few screenshots off of the, the their start for the season. There was three clean sheets. Um in those five games as well do you expect to see him in in some shape or form this weekend um against um, unsure like 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 johnny's saying i mean barry's got an awful sort of not awful it's not a bad habit to have he's got a habit of sort of <laughs> slowly integrating players into the team um <clears throat> which i don't think would be a bad thing i mean um the Polish league's probably a very physical league. Um, whether it's the same sort of physicality that you're facing in Scotland, especially against a team like St Mirren, um, you know, you don't want to throw him in at the deep end and sort of have him, you know, um, blown out the water immediately and his confidence goes. Um, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit and act like I know what sort of player he is. The only Jensen I know is Button. So, um, <laughs> I, I can't really act like I know if he's a physically dominant defender, if he's a ball-playing defender. No idea. But, I mean, I think the fee I'd seen um, Fuck Mob take that with a pinch of salt um, sort of pop up on my phone was about 480,000. Um, so, I mean, that's a big sort of statement from the club to be spending that, that amount of money um, on a centre half that we're, you know, potentially going to throw in straight away. Um, so, I mean, Barry must rate him, the scouting network must rate him, Cormac must have sort of had good information on his table to sort of put up that sort of fee, if that's the fee that... That, that he was signed for um but no I, I think he'll probably either start against taken or come off the bench um potentially against Simmer and if not in the European game on Thursday yeah well I think you know if he's going to be involved next Thursday I think he needs to get some minutes um this Sunday mm -hmm. but I'm impressed that he managed to fit Jensen Button uh, into this podcast and uh, it's good to have the Formula One back this weekend I know we, the three of us could sit here and speak about that um, for yeah. just as long as we could speak about uh, Aberdeen as well but uh, the point you made Johnny about the, the Liam Scales saga I think you know I'm, I'm in the same boat as you I'm glad to see kind of the end of that um, I think that'll be dead and buried probably maybe until January who knows but I, I, I think you know in terms of what Barry Robson kept saying you know, he wanted players in on a, a permanent basis. He didn't want loan signing. So it's good to see that we've not, you know, kind of held out for, for Liam Scales and he joins the club on loan. We've gone out and, you know, as Phil says, I, I heard it was around about the £400,000 mark as well. You know, we've gone out and, and paid good money of Cormac coins to to get um, Jensen in and, and, and strengthen the defence and on the side that, that we knew we needed. And, you know, Philip mentioned that this 
the, the Polish league is physical, and I think, Johnny, it's fair to say that this weekend's encounter could equally be as physical, of course, as the Dons return to Premiership action this weekend, taking a trip to Paisley on Sunday in a three o'clock kickoff. It, St Mirren's not a ground, Johnny, that we've got a good recent record at, not one in our last four visits. Um, three of those last four visits have seen a red card, and in fact, in the last four straight meetings between the sides, this game has produced a red card. So if it is going to be a defensive red card, Richard Jensen could yet see an unexpected debut sooner than expected. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the, in terms of the Polish league he's come from, probably physical, but maybe the pace of our league is a bit higher, you know. So I think throwing him into a blood and thunder game at uh, the Smizer, whatever they call it these days, um, might not be the, the kindest thing to do to him. Um, but if he's ready, just get him in there and, and get McGarry in there from the start, I would say. <clears throat> St Mirren are flying as well. Um, it's not just the fact that our record there is traditionally quite bad. They're an awkward team for us to play against at the, at the best of times, but they seem to have started really well. Um, have some good form. They're top of the league, aren't they, in goal difference or, or something like yeah, that? Uh, yeah, well, they're unbeaten anyway. Um, oh, they're up there. I mean, so they're absolutely flying. Um, they'll be they'll be seeing this as an opportunity to, to 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 get another one over on us. And I'm still traumatized by both league matches there last season. Um, Particularly, particularly the first one. Um, yeah. I still have nightmares about that that red card, and yeah, I just um, I'd rather see us make more happy pictures in my mind from from Paisley. I think we can do it, but I'm not expecting us to beat them. That sounds really silly, but I'm not expecting us to beat them because of our game on Thursday, um, the game coming up on Thursday. We could be forgiven for focusing more on that. I know the manager mm. would probably say, oh, we'll play one game at a time and all that, but um, Thursday is the bigger game. Um, so maybe squad rotation comes in. It's a bit early for that, I'd say. But mm. I'm probably take a point just now, if you were to offer it to me. I didn't, think that's, I didn't think that's what you would go with. Uh, I might, might reserve. I reserve to change my mind for the kickoff. Uh, okay. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to watch the game this Sunday. Um, not live anyway. So I've uh, got a family event on. So uh, I will not be um, live tweeting uh, <laughs> <laughs> on, on these occasions. But uh, no, I'll take a point right now. Um, you know, we've got time to. We're playing Hibs next up in the in the league, aren't we? At home, so <laughs> that's a certain three points. Yeah, um, Michael Moan will be joining me in a couple of days to, to preview that game, which we'll, we're doing, unfortunately, ahead of the um, respective second legs, but such is the nature of the, the turnaround for um, producing these podcasts ahead of the, the fixtures. But, Phil, Johnny mentions kind of, you know, potential squad rotation, but also Aberdeen having one eye on, on Thursday night. Does Barry Robson rest some players with Thursday night in mind or as Johnny says is it too early in the season to do that of course you know you've got Michael Beale complaining that teams shouldn't be playing this weekend and they've got important playoff games I'm not going to get into that nonsense but um, do you think that 
the team and, and management will have kind of one eye on, on Thursday when it comes to the starting 11? Potentially. Like we say, Barry doesn't like change, really. So whether he sort of goes against, you know, bucks the trend a little bit and does sort of have a wholesale change. I've seen one of the chats I'm in was, was speaking about if you rotated every single player that started on Thursday, you could still have a team that's, you know, quite quite comfortable on the pitch against um, St Mirren. I mean, I would like to see the likes of Vinny getting a run out the Sockler, maybe starting over Duke, um, sort of giving him a, a little break out the squad and making sure he's totally fresh for Thursday. Um, but yeah, I, I really don't know what, what way he's going to go. At the same time, our start to the league's not been great. Obviously, we weren't expecting much from Celtic before the game, but I mean, after the game, we were kind of looking at him thinking that was a good chance to at least get a point there. Livingston, we just played in their hands and, and walked away with a point, um, which, you know, some would maybe say we're quite lucky to walk away with. Um, so I would like to see us get off the board in the league before the likes of Hearts and Hibs get um, slightly slightly ahead of us and then continue to try and rub it in on Twitter um, would be ideal. So so hopefully a couple of changes and a win, that would do me. Um, give, give, give some of the sort of, I guess you would call them fringe players these days, like Vinny, who used to be a first name on the team mm-hmm. sheet, give them a run out and, and see how they get on. And like I say, I mean, it could totally change how we play on Thursday if we do give boys like Sockler and Vinny a run out and, um, and if they put in good performances. Yeah, I suppose, Johnny, though, the kind of problem is about making too many changes is that, you know, if we put in a, a poor performance or, or pick up a defeat, it kind of maybe deflates all the kind of momentum that's been built from, from Thursday night as well. And, you know, maybe that's where kind of thinking about the bigger picture, you know, that point about you saying we do take a point is we're still putting a point on the board and, and continuing to, to, to build momentum. But I'm just thinking about some of the changes that, that we could make um, ahead of the weekend. I, I had noted Esther Sokler um, potentially coming in, and as Phil pointed out, for Duke, um, given kind of his inconsistent start to the season. You mentioned Jimmy McGarry possibly coming in at, at left wing back. I just wondered if Shaden Morris will drop out of the team in place of Angus McDonald, uh, allowing Nicky Devlin to get there and also you know, giving more minutes to both uh, Angus and Ruby to kind of form that partnership. And then the other interesting one as well I had was Jamie McGrath coming into the centre of midfield in, in place of Dante Povara. But, you know, five changes. One, two, three. No, that's four changes, Glenn. Yeah. Yeah, four changes. Yeah, good maths here. I've got my calculator out to hand. And of those changes, that's not weakening our team. I think that's strengthening our no, team. No, it's not. So it's rotation, but we're actually strengthening the team. Um, I think, I'm not sure, we're definitely not dropping Miotsky. Um I would play Duke because he's like, you know, he needs to get wound up. You know, he's like, he gets better as the season goes on and he needs games. He needs just to get up to that same level that he was at around October last year, mm-hmm. um, where he was nigh on unplayable. So I would still play Duke. Um, although I know Sockland needs minutes. <laughs> he needs to get you know, minutes and maybe goals to sharpen himself up. Um, Devlin to right wing back, McGarry in at left wing back, McDonald in the centre, um, alongside Rubizic, and probably McKenzie to start, and maybe Jensen off the bench. That's mm. what I would do, I think. Um, I've seen a couple of comments maybe about Vinny coming in. I think Vinny's probably gone, you know, I don't think he's gonna, he's gonna feature again. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and maybe Jamie McGrath coming in for Dante, as you said, that, that would be, you know what, I like that team. <laughs> I like that team. I think that team, um, I think I'm changing my mind already about taking a point. Um, <laughs> I do like that team. I think that team, that team improves us from the previous three matches. So, uh, and it's rotating players as well and giving other players a wee rest in case they need to come in um, you know, later on in the season. Yeah, I guess, Phil, though, the kind of question mark around the top end of the pitch um, and giving Esther Sokler minutes in place of Duke because, obviously, as, as has been discussed um, around his start to the season, those may be saying with one eye on Thursday, would you not start Sokler in place of Miofsky given how threatening Miofsky has been because you don't want Boyan to go and pick up an injury ahead of Thursday night? Um, I suppose, in a way... Yeah. Um, again, I don't think we've seen enough from Sockler to see what sort of role he fills. I mean, I think Barry plays Duke and, and Boyan just purely because they're they're not like chalk and cheese, but where, where Duke will do a lot of the legwork, you know Miofsky's going to be in a good position to finish it off should, should Duke win the ball back high up. So whether mm -hmm. Sockler fills the role of being the sort of fox in the box or whether he is the sort of almost like the first defender really pressing high, um, and really, just sort of getting on the on the back of defenders. Um, I think I think you could throw it either way. It's either you you protect protect Miofsky or you sort of give Duke that sort of game out of the team where you go, look, your form's not been great. You know, it's nothing nothing against you personally. It's just literally, you know, decided to make a change. I just put it off of who is who was putting the ball in the net, and whether that puts a rocket up his arse to kind of, you know, go maybe I've you know. Maybe I've not been trying as hard in front of goal. I don't think that's the case, but you know, mm. um, sort of maybe pushes him to sort of get back in his uh, rich, rich scoring form. Yeah, I just wonder as well though if you, you do bench Duke as well. People probably, I mean, you know, probably be with this myself come Sunday as well. But we'll we'll have to remember that we don't have that you know out ball that you know James Duke has the ability to hold up and turn a defender and get us up up, up the pitch at, at pace. And allow the rest of the team to kind of catch up before playing that through ball. Maybe not Esther Sokler's game, and um, so that'd be one thing to remember on Sunday if Duke doesn't I think start. As, as well as almost if if he benches Duke, the rumor mill on Twitter is going to go absolutely <laughs> off the rails. Cause, I mean, I've seen folks saying that anyway. Even um, sort of about like the the sort of Celtic and even like the sort of the the Haken game. Folks saying, "Oh, he's he's got one foot out the door at the championship already." I'm mm. thinking. I think there's nothing in that at the moment. I mean, if the club were going to sell, they would have sold them by now to get somebody in. They wouldn't have mm. left it this late to get rid of their star man. No way. This, yeah. is, the game. this is the model, though, isn't it? We're going to have to live with these rumours. Um, yeah. Because that's our player trading model now. <laughs> well, yeah. of course, it's, you know, I guess in honour of Calm not being here, he'll be disappointed if we don't mention that the rumour is that the, there is potentially a third signing incoming, much to his dismay that all these are coming as soon as he leaves the country. Um, Habib Gay being linked to the club um, in terms of filling a striker position, which again, uh, as, as you say, Phil kind of kind of alludes to some of these fueling the fire of rumours on on Twitter of people leaving. Of course, Alfie Babbage linked with a low move to Arbroath as well. But back back to the game um, on Sunday, Kaiser obviously regular watcher all of these live videos on YouTube saying we should put out our best team against the minutes to start of the season. Uh, no need to rest players and. Johnny, I think, you know, we've discussed four changes that, as we've said, strengthen that team. I think yeah. we'd almost be at our best team with that starting lineup. 
Um, maybe the Esther Sokler Duke debate would be the argument around our, our best team, but probably this early in the season, there isn't much need to rest players, but we can make changes as the game goes on. No, I think that would be our best team from, from the players that we have available at the moment anyway. Um, yeah. And I think, I think resting players is probably the wrong way to, to couch it. Uh, we, we are going to come up with, with injuries later on in the, in the season and we're all I mean, we're guaranteed group stage football in Europe, so we are going to be doing Thursday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it does take a toll. And we've seen it even before. When we were with McInnes in the, the qualifiers, we'd be, we'd be gassing out of out of energy by April in the squad, you know. Yeah. Um, and the, you know the top six then would be you know five defeats <laughs> or or a point here yeah. and there, you know. But we were pretty, we're always pretty bad in the, in the after the split. Mm-hmm. And I think it's down to not having well, we didn't have that that rotation and the depth of squad. The the sense I get though is that Barry's not going to rotate players Thursday to Sunday anyway he's going to play the strongest team he has available yeah. um, and I think that is probably the right way to go and then when the injuries do come we'll have players that come in who are hopefully fit and ready to go and not much of a drop off in quality so if you like talking McGrath and Povara you could probably rotate them mm-hmm. if you like for like nearly you know yeah um, nearly so there's not much of a drop off there one to the other from one to the other. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I just yeah, I just wonder if if Barry's that kind of that kind of manager. I, I guess as well, um, another player that's on the bench last couple of games were not featured. It's got the same kind of pace and gives us that opportunity up in terms of an out ball would be Johnny Hayes, but. I think gone are his days of playing in a more forward forward role. But again, another player, as you, you speak about, Johnny, in terms of fringe, and I think Phil mentioned it as well, fringe players, these players in terms of quality coming off the bench and players, Johnny most definitely will be there keeping himself fit and ready to go when, when needed as well. But I think we're getting to the stage, obviously, that this time next week, the transfer window will be shut or shutting. I think it actually shuts on the first, so... We'll be close to it shutting um, at, at this point next week. Um, of course, on, on, the show, on the show next week, uh, next Friday, whatever group stage we fall into, um, Phil um, will be joining me to do a, a live watch along to, to the draw um, at, at lunchtime. Um, thankfully, the fixtures aren't out. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing that because I'd be too busy on Skyscanner and, and Booking.com as well. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we'll be reacting to the to the draw one way or another, if that's Europe League or, or Conference League. Uh, and then mm-hmm. at the beginning of the week, as I said, Michael Monin will be joining me um, to preview the, the Hibs game next week. But we'll also have a, a review out of the St Mirren game um, from the weekend and a, a little preview um, more in-depth to Thursday night, given a bit wait-and-see kind of what happens on, on Sunday because we don't want to go into too much detail on, on next Thursday yet because... Things can happen in football between now and then. Um, but um, despite my dodgy Wi-Fi trying to ruin this this live, um, it, it's been a pleasure to, to catch up with both of you. So thank you for your, your inputs, Johnny and, and Phil. Um, and Thanks, man. Everybody else yeah, has enjoyed. Thank you so, for um, So if you have enjoyed the video, please do remember to um, put a like on the video here on YouTube and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening. And as well, as mentioned at the top of the show as well, the British podcast voting is open and the links are in the description here on YouTube and audio. So thank you very much again for tuning. Until next time. Cheers, everybody.